0: If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bowhunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. And we're back. Hello again, everybody. After the September slowdown, we have some incredible stories to tell you. Today, we're going to talk a bit about our entire season. We're probably going to break this up into two or three different episodes, given the length and go into detail. One of the craziest months of my life and Josh's life uh, here in Elk Country. So if you're interested in the tactics, the lessons, stories, today is going to be an amazing episode. Well, hello, Josh. (laughs) What's up, Baxter? Oh, man. This is, uh, this feels, uh, epic is an overused word, but it really does. This feels like a pretty incredible moment to be back here after one of the craziest months in our lives. I think I said in the intro, but so true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, first, you know, September slowdown, it feels crazy coming back into the podcast world. Now it's like an October speed up. We just before recording, we had so many different topics and we're going to do gear stuff like what went well what didn't go where we got the stories and then all the lessons and tactics and adjustments and yeah. man a lot to talk about lots to talk about yeah and i think we'll we'll do the stories
0: first and give everyone the full rundown because that's i mean the, you get everything from that right Like you learn mm-hmm. a lot from it you get the tactics you hear about the the exciting stuff and then we can definitely do an episode on the gear i've been testing and playing with um kind of the overall lessons you learn because that's that's going to be fascinating for a lot of guys mm-hmm. um and it's fun. I mean, for guys that are just tuning in for the first time, this is Josh's first season. We've been mentoring and working together for the past six months, so it was a big, big undertaking, pretty massive. And for me, this is season five, five, six, five. I think five.
1: Um, and so, very different lessons we'll both have, I'm sure. Yeah, and you've been mentoring me probably more than six months. I mean, I guess more formally in in the form of the podcast, but in turn, before that, just you know, conversations after work and during lunch. For yep. like over a year, mm-hmm. yeah, this yeah is surreal to think about. Yep, and we should uh, we should probably do a mini spoiler alert here
0: because uh, <laughs> an elk is on the ground and it was a giant, so we won't say who and when and where, but um, definitely stay tuned because there is one hell of a story coming. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> and we were both there for the story, so you won't know who got him, but it's a <laughs> crazy, crazy time. Oh man, Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's get right into it because I know guys would rather learn. That's what we're here for, not talking, but learning. So um, maybe we start with uh, – so we all, we both were in the same state. And I don't think we're going we're gonna to try to keep that agnostic because as we said in the past, Colorado, Idaho, both great over-the-counter places. Mm-hmm. Um, but we – this might be a little bit of a giveaway. The beginning of the season was the end of August. Uh, and so you actually went out two or three days before I got there and did mm-hmm. some scouting. And then you what flew for a week to Nebraska to hunt mule deer with the identical draw guys. Yep. Then you came back, we hunted together for about a week mm-hmm. and I came back or I left and then you were there for two more weeks, two or three more weeks, something like that. So yeah, that's the high level, but maybe we just kick it off with your, your scouting and uh, that experience. Cause I think you saw your first elk right off the bat. So oh, walk us, awesome. Yeah, walk us through your, Everything, man. The drive out, how it felt, driving up there, seeing it. Yeah.
1: The drive out was crazy. I I thought I was going to get to my camp spot that night. And I was like, oh man, I, I left a little too late. So I ended up booking a hotel, mm-hmm. super cheap motel, stayed there the first night. And I, I just couldn't believe it. Like I'm heading out on the most epic adventure I've ever planned. You know, For people who don't know, I started a new job tomorrow. So I didn't have work for a while. It was between jobs and that opportunity, it was just hitting me on the drive. Like, holy crap, I'm going to be out here for a month. And most days I'm not going to know where I'm going to sleep. It's just going to be intense. Um, well, I know exactly day. where you're going to sleep. It's going to be intense. somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I get there day one, elevation kicked my butt and I, uh, I didn't really figure out like... <laughs> I did so many things wrong. I packed five liters of water for my first (laughs) (laughs) hike in. Well, well, here's Uh, like, let's back up. The best part of this is
0: that you're laughing at it now, right? Like the funniest thing about this is a month and a half ago, that seemed totally normal and reasonable to you. But now you're like, what was I doing? So you (laughs) learned that much in a month, which is pretty cool. But you, and you, before even, before you even go in, like you were, you were frantically packing day before too, right? You had to get some stuff set up.
1: Yeah. Well, I had to, I packed all my gear. I bought all my groceries and all that stuff uh, really early. So I was pretty, pretty prepared on the packing stuff and the gear list definitely went through your checklist. Um, Yeah. I I, I had like more stuff than I really needed actually. Yeah. And then backpacking and slowly cutting away all the stuff you don't ever use. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 I got to get vindicated here. Did you take an extra pair of underwear? I <laughs> knew you were going to bring that one up. Uh, you were 100% right on that. because Oh, boom. I, <laughs> I brought underwear and I brought socks and stuff. And then my first trip out, I was like, I'm not going to change my underwear. Yeah. Or Why socks. am I carrying I only need to. Yep. All right. Yeah. So let the record stand. I've been waiting
0: a month. <laughs> let the record stand that Josh has converted to the don't bring extra socks or underwear crowd. Yes. Uh, by Marino. Uh, Definitely by Marino. Don't change it.
1: Yeah. I got the first light underwear, Merino. It's awesome. It really didn't smell after like two, three days. It, w- it wasn't like, yeah. Magic. Awesome. Magic. Magic. Anyway. Okay.
0: I interrupted you. So first day, elevation kicked your butt. You went in. So what? how did you find your spot the first day? Like walk us through that.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, that was really interesting. So I wanted to go to my, what I thought was my A spot. Later we looked at it and we we're like, ah, actually not too great. But I, I drove there and it I there was like a campsite. And then after that campsite area, you couldn't park and leave your car. in. so I realized like, I just didn't do my homework enough. So Mm -hmm. I had to leave that spot, go to my quote unquote B spot. Yeah. And boom, like to
0: to interrupt and be fair. I don't, I don't think it's you didn't do your homework. It's like a lot of that stuff just for guys that are planning the first hunt. Like it's not, it's not on a map, right? It's not somewhere. It's that's the value of scouting as you drive up. And even here yesterday, um, you know there was an area that i drove up and thought there was access nope not there so it's, it's right pretty normal you know so you're but i think you did a great job of scouting a few different areas so when your a spot doesn't work where
1: are you going right to the b yep so i drove out to the b spot um got there kind of late i think i slept in my car that night yeah then the next morning, oh, and also for <laughs> to just give people a picture, I rented a Subaru outback on Turo. It's like an app you can rent people's cars, kind of like Airbnb, but for cars instead of homes. And uh the license plate cover had this Hello Kitty like faces all over it. And it was just hilarious because I just imagine the thoughts going through all these hunters' minds when they see that at the trailhead.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Subaru is already definitely a left coast car, and then they yeah, uh, hello kitty. <laughs> license but I think uh, after we drove back with that bull in the car we were telling our, our friends we said hello kitty strikes again oh it's so, uh, so good but, but, but yeah anyway. you definitely
1: got some looks for that one I'm sure yeah <laughs> parked there and anyway hike up to this saddle where I wanted to camp at um because I, I started hiking up oh no I didn't sleep there that night I, I got there late in the afternoon anyway hike up to the saddle where I wanted to camp. And as soon as I get up over that saddle, I look over to the right and I saw like 20 elk, just a herd of them. And this is going to scouting. So, you know, it's not season, yep. maybe four or five cows and like 10, 15 calves. And I was so excited that I just started stalking in on them for fun. When looking back, I should have just watched and like and yeah, see where they went. But I went and got into like 90 and they started barking at me and it was just, First elk I ever seen that close, you know, so yeah, super cool. And I just felt super lucky at the same time. Uh, yeah, well, I think I remember your
0: text, it was like a bunch of exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's everybody, your first elk trip, it's because you'd done scouting the year before, but you hadn't even seen elk, you know. And this, mm-hmm. I remember you were when I saw that, I was pretty excited too, because I'm like, yeah, it all panned out. We did a lot of work, a lot of e scouting, and you walked right in and saw them. So I remember f- that was a pretty cool feeling uh, for guys that are wondering. We had. Uh, in reaches so we were able to text kind of in the back middle of nowhere they're not the world's smoothest system but we'll talk about that in the gear review yeah. but they work and uh they were awesome. that was a cool moment when you text me you're like "Yeah, I'm on the elk already they're everywhere
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool yeah um then day 2 um I hiked out to a glassing spot I ran out of water went to a creek on the map but it was dried up and found another one and so that, that was cool and then it started hailing like crazy for about an hour and um, didn't see any elk that second day and man, that weather forecast is something to stay on top of.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you learned that lesson the hard way. I remember I pulled up to camp that weekend. I think you were in Thursday, right? Was it was the first day you went in something like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, you know, the guy that saved my spot, great, great guy, um, D as we call him, um, uh, it was like, oh, I had the they had the worst lightning and hailstorm I've seen in a while the other night.
1: And I was like, oh man, <laughs> uh oh, yeah, <laughs> Josh probably got nuked. So. so I did. Yeah, I was on top of a hill. Um, so I was second day, and then well, you
0: learned a lesson. I remember we talked about that early on too. It's it's hard to do this podcast. We've talked about all this stuff a lot, but I mean, you you said that you uh, you were pretty up high and you got drilled by that thing,
1: right? oh no that was my next trip out that was the next one after the after the mule deer hunt and that yeah that was that's an interesting one we'll we'll get to that we'll get there all right keep going yeah so that was day two didn't see any elk um and then day three morning is when i hiked out of my scouting trip and on the way out i saw super fresh elk sign and that's the one i showed you a picture of it was like steaming completely green just shiny and i just i took a picture of it and i was like okay now I know what really fresh elk sign looks like. So that was a cool lesson on my way out. Um, well, I think you were, I remember you were like, is that fresh? You were asking me questions. And like, I was like, this is pretty fresh, right? And that we is, like, super.
0: yep. That thing was within a hundred yards of you probably. So um, pretty, especially where we were, it's Oop, very sorry, dry. Sorry, put out there for a second. Oh, you back? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So especially where we were, super dry. So that, that thing was probably within a hundred yards of you. I mean, that yeah, was,
1: you were telling me like that elk was right there. And I was yep. like, Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, no, yeah.
0: yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the things, especially this year that really, I uh, just be, I've always been pretty attuned to that one, but even more so it's like those little things, your ability to figure that out and know, look at that scat and go, that's how far that elk is. That's what makes you successful. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, we had two or three encounters this year that wouldn't have happened without that especially if they're not talking which they didn't a ton this year yeah um, i think we I talked to another guy that hunted in the other state and multiple people that hunted in our unit and uh, i think the direct quote from one of the guys you talked to is the hardest elk season in the 30 years he's ever seen uh,
1: 22 yeah he's hunted 22. this area specifically for the for 22 years and this was by far the toughest
0: yeah
1: uh, he's got a ton of cameras out there preseason too he's just said lowest number of cows and bulls that he's ever seen out here so
0: yeah yeah and it's hyper local i mean everything changes you know even one valley over but i do think i'm getting ahead of ourselves but the combo of heat and uh fire was really rough this season so yeah yeah but okay so you got you got a few days in you came out you have one more day right
1: uh no that that's the day i I came out that third morning um and then drove to the airport you know, took a shower, got a burger, drove to the airport, and then flew off to Nebraska to hunt mule deer for this uh, new hunter hunt that I won and a uh, video application thing with identical draw. And yeah, but yeah, that's when you got to your hunting spot, right?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And how did it? I and mean, we'll have to do a podcast with them on that mule deer hunt. So cool. Such an awesome opportunity for you to go do that. Although, I'm sure pretty rough to be like opening week of elk. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> you're missing yeah. that. But like you said, you're trading hunting for hunting. So that's not yeah. bad.
0: <laughs> not bad. But uh, yeah. yeah, I would love, I think I would probably be a better mule deer hunter and really love it more just for my style. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll we'll ever really get into it because it's during elk season. It's going to be really yeah. hard to, to do. But um yeah, so how did it? I mean, it's, you, know, you got to think back a ways now, but how did it feel like you've done an overnight solo before, but that's like your first true like two or three days stint and you kind of were in El Country. Like coming out of that, were you feeling good, bad, hopeful? Like where, where were you at mentally after that trip?
1: Yeah. Such a good question. I w- I felt super positive. I was like Dang, that was a, a huge win for a scouting trip. I mean, mm-hmm. getting to 90 yard. I mean, we're just seeing a bunch of elk. Gave me a big confidence. And then I had the second thought of like, whoa, whoa, don't get overconfident now. Like, yeah. you, that's part luck. You know, you just walk right up there and they're right there. So yeah, I felt good that they're here. You know, I'm going to come back to the spot. But then I also had a second thought of like, this is still going to be really hard. You know, keep stay level-headed and keep your expectations solid. And yeah, I was yeah. overall super positive.
0: Well, that's the hardest thing about elk hunting is it's uh 50% luck and 50% hard work. And it's almost impossible <laughs> to tell which it was. <laughs> and so I think you definitely put in the effort and the time to scout and land in the perfect spot right off the bat. But yeah, it's uh, I think you did a really good thing there, which is reigning in the positivity because elk hunting, like a lot of other things, just super up and down. And mm-hmm. you know, that one of the things that stops the up and downs, is if you don't go up,
1: <laughs> so right. don't get
0: too cocky and too crazy. Cause it's, I mean, it's, I've had days where you walk right in on something you're like, oh, this is easy. And then, then you really struggle mentally when it doesn't go well. Uh, right. That's yeah. But I remember, I do remember that talking to you. You were pretty amped. You were like, oh, this is going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm excited. I found it. I'm ready. Um, you know, so it was uh, but a really cool way to leave and come back though. Be that pumped.
1: Oh yeah. Awesome. I, I couldn't wait to be back. Yeah. Um, probably when I left is, is that the day you got there? I think so. I'm trying to,
0: I'm thinking back. I think we got there on, uh, on Friday and it's uh, for guys. Now I get to tell them the fun news, which is we are officially moving to Boise, Idaho um, from California, from San Francisco. So we're in process of getting that all figured out and done. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were starting one part of the process, which is moving some of the stuff up there. And uh, it probably gives a little more clarity to all the podcasts and the crazy the past few months, which is, Having a baby, selling a place, moving, sister's wedding, and a family emergency—all in like a two-month period of time—is uh, <laughs> crazy. It's a heck of a lot. So I think for me, uh, it was a really just utterly intense moment to to leave because it—I uh, still have to come back and get stuff, and there's other things to do. But it it felt like a big moment because a lot of the things had happened. Um, mm-hmm. It was just incredible to drive out. And so it was, I think we got there Friday we did our little kind of stop halfway at our favorite little cruddy motel in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, uh, which is on the way to Colorado and Idaho. Uh, and I think we drove up Friday it was, and we had pretty crazy expectations because the guy, um, and I'm just using anonymous names because I haven't asked him and um, that's just the way we do it. D uh, had I've been scouting there for a few days and saving spots. And I'm really glad he saved a spot because it's just one of the craziest years I've ever seen, uh, as far as people. Um, but he'd seen what had happened. He'd walked up on two, six points about 400 yards from camp the day before 500 yards from camp. Uh, and it was like right on him. could have shot both of them. And so he was pumped, all the cameras he'd put out, everything he'd seen, he'd say, Hey, this is crazy. Um, and that actually was, That was kind of the story the first few days. But before I jump too deep into that, it was a lot of logistics for me too because I had to uh, pick up a little RV for uh, Lady Bowman and uh, Baby Luke, uh, our son. So we had to, you know, she used to be my hunting partner, right? We used to back Mm -hmm. back together, and this year she was kind enough to say, "Hey, I know this is your thing, and you're super excited about it. It's just not going to work. So, like, get me somewhere I can be warm and safe, and uh, I want to be up there with you." And so it was really probably one of the most amazing times of my life to be able to be up there and have them both kind of at, you know, back at quote unquote camp in there. And so it really changed my hunting. I mean, the way I hunted was not two, three nights in, it was one, maybe two nights in, which I honestly think is more productive.
1: And shout out to Margaret too, for Mm -hmm. taking care of. Baby Luke back at camp and everybody oh, really was able to be together and she was like yeah. having your food and all this stuff. It's just so awesome.
0: What a gift. I mean, it's insane. I'm so lucky to have her, uh, around just utterly insane to have that mm-hmm. someone that's capable of doing that is it's amazing. Cause that was yeah. a lot of, I and mean, that's a lot of strain on her to be there. And, uh, it's pretty funny to come back to camp, see her walk around with a giant nine millimeter on her hip and a little bait. <laughs> 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 he was running the show. So, Needless to say, and then we'll get out of all this stuff, but it was just a lot of logistics between planning food for both of them and getting the RV and pulling it all up there and I mean, you name it, moving and selling and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. that one of the best feelings ever driving up to camp and just being like, we're here, it's go time. Yeah, really cool. So I had a day, we've never had this before, but I had a day and a half of, because uh, I was on paternity leave during this time. So I had you know, some extra time to, to do stuff and I had a day and a half before season to be there. Um, and I didn't, I chose a different strategy than you. I didn't even hike in at all. Um, I just stayed high in glass and didn't touch any of this stuff. Cause I know in this area, like they can be pretty close to camp even. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, uh, first day, um, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, I think in that first day could have th- killed three different elk. Um, and that's the, what was the total Josh? I think it was, could have killed seven Seven, uh, cows, one spike and two bulls by the time Something like that. The yeah. Of the, the trip, uh, crazy two or three of those, three of those happened the first day. So, uh, I woke up really early that morning and this is, I think this is a big testament to knowing an area really, really well, because mm-hmm. I know exactly where to go exactly their habits. Um, things change every year and anyone me saying, I understand elk is like me saying, I understand my wife. Like <laughs> it automatically <laughs> disqualifies you, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, but this area, I like at least have high odd spots. So I actually went up the creek right where i shot the one uh, last year, like only about a mile and a half, two miles from camp. And it was kind of interesting to me because I didn't see any sign down low, like mm-hmm. very little to none, uh, which is a big shocker because this area is normally loaded. That has been for three years now um, and very consistently. So pretty surprising. But when I got up to the top, I dropped into the creek right about where I shot the one last year. And uh, walked kind of way down in the little ditch of the creek, almost in the creek itself, because that's my <laughs> my favorite tactic. Even if the winds aren't great, other places the cool from the creek almost always has a down down creek wind, and it muffles your noise, all that stuff. Um, so, I was stalking really quietly up in this little meadow with two wallows in it, right at the end of this box canyon. And as I came around the corner of this creek, um, and I'm walking, I mean, you've seen seen it now, but the Indian style, just like barely moving, and um, Came around the corner and at 32 yards, uh, were two cows and a calf just mm-hmm. eating right through the middle of the creek. So dead to rights, number one. Uh, knocked in Harrowhook, got set up because I didn't know what was with them um, and could have shot one of them. But you know, I had that mental. Where I netted out this year was, hey, I've got more time than I've ever had, and I know I could always shoot a cow with a rifle at another time. So I think I'm going to. You know, hold out for at least something that's a decent raghorn, right mm-hmm. like i just uh, i don't want to especially if it's day one right like day last day i would have shot a cow in a heartbeat but um so didn't didn't want to take that shot and pretty quickly wind swirled and they blew out of there but such a cool morning to see that happening and like get on them that quick right right yeah and so so that was part one uh and that's just, we're still on day one. So I kind of looped around the top of that little box canyon, saw a mule deer eating in an avalanche slide, pretty nice one, which is fun. And then, uh, did this kind of hellacious traverse up into kind of the further back area of the valley I'm in. And, uh, that was when things got really, really interesting. So it was about, I think that was at like nine thirty or 10 in the morning. And then it was about two in the afternoon. By the time I got up there, my, my fitness was otherworldly bad. Um, <laughs> uh, after all that prep, but you know, it turns out all that stuff going on work being insane. I forgot that part work. The, yeah, clicked up like three notches the last three or four weeks I was there. Um, just couldn't, just couldn't put it in like full stop. Could, didn't have the time to get in great shape. So, uh, nothing wrong with that. And I think you said, Hey, I kicked my butt the first day. You just go slow, right? Yeah. So I went pretty slow, but Popped up to another area below this basin. That's way high, about 500 feet, 1,000 feet below that. So about 1,000 feet above the car now. Um, took me three, four hours just to go really mellow because I don't want to be tired. Got up there and was scouting around this little area that uh, has a creek and a little mini meadow just in between. And you went back there with me at, at one point in time. A really, really cool little hole of an area. And getting back to our first conversation about... Sign and aging, um, you know, I it, it'd been a year since I'd seen an elk track, but I remember once I got up there, I looked, uh, looked down. Unfortunately, I'd seen that cow that morning, and I always go look at the tracks of any elk I scare away because it's like a mentally it's just adding to my database, right? I get to know what does a really fresh elk track look like in that dirt right there, yeah. Um, so very fortunately, i had done that that morning, and then two o'clock that afternoon, I'm walking along. And I look at this really powdery, fluffy dirt, but I look at it and it's just hard right where mm-hmm. this, this track is and it's the edges are sharp. Everything is, and I like blow on it and it blows away. I'm like, wow, that is, <laughs> that is like really fresh, really stinking fresh. And so I circle around the meadows on the side of this little knob and I kind of circle around the back side of the knob from the meadow because the tracks are kind of over that way. Uh, and I want to put my camp about 300 yards from this meadow. Cause I want to stay there that night. Uh, but I know smart enough not to try to bust all the way up to the top valley that day. So I'm sneaking around the back of this thing. For guys that want to picture this, you know, it's like a, almost like rim rock. It's kind of got a 10, you know, five to 15 foot drop off the edge of this little kind of collar on the the knob. And I go, um, go around it. And as I go towards the edge uh, of that rim rock, I kind of look down again and I see this super fresh track Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm like, there's gotta be one right around here. And I start sneaking up to the edge of that thing and I look over the tip of it and I see two giant uh, tines twitching in the bushes. (laughs) And I'm like, oh man, there's a bull. (laughs) And so... I mean, you experienced this. You, it, It's like firecrackers up there. I mean, did you you experience that in a few years? Oh, before? my goodness. Yeah. It's
1: so crunchy everywhere.
0: Everywhere. It's so crunchy. So um, much deadfall. <laughs> so much deadfall. So crunchy. And so fortunately, I'm a little more in the open with that kind of rock. But um, the wind is kind of coming to my face. It's doing okay, but it's a little swirly. Um, so I quickly duck my head back behind the rim rock. You know, I'm looking down over the edge of this cliff. And there's kind of a little draw that runs up beside it. So he's almost parallel to the cliff. And it's like a only a five, you know, five foot cliff, ten foot cliff, nothing too crazy. Um and I drop my I step back and I take probably a whole minute to take my pack off, you because know, it 'cause it's gotta be so quiet. So quiet. Knock the arrow and get everything ready and then creep back up to the uh the edge there. And for guys to picture this, I have like a fifteen foot area from left to one down tree on the left to a bunch of brush on the right. And that's it. I mean there's no way in hell I'm popping over either of those things without making more noise than you could ever, you could ever do within 200 yards of an elk, much less where he was at. And this elk ended up being at 28 to 32 yards <laughs> the entire time. And I think he came to 18 at one point as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I you know, look over and it's day one. So my head's already kind of spinning a bit and I kind of look at him through the bushes and like that is a bull and he's just feeding right here. Totally unaware. Perfect. Perfect situation. Um, and I look at him and there's a window where I could shoot, but I'm still trying to figure out what he is. And he kind of walks out of that window. Um, and he's a five, I think he's a decent size five, but nothing crazy. He's like a bigger raghorn. And I'm like, you know what? Like took me about a minute or two, uh, being sitting there within 30 yards of him to go, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna shoot this bull. Like, this is a good bull, like plenty fine. We've had a lot of talks about me and trophy hunting and a lot of stuff. Like I just, any elk with a bow is a trophy to me. And like this is this satisfies the criteria. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so um, from then on, I'm trying to get a shot at him, and I managed to traverse back and forward uh, within my little ten foot hole along this cliff edge, I think two times, just trying to get an angle on this thing. And so long story short, I'm within. 30 yards of this thing for seven minutes. Cause I remember looking at the clock and I actually had the time even to pull up my phone and take a photo of him from 30 yards away <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> while I'm standing there. Cause he was, he just kind of was down in this little draw, like I said, and it was probably chest height. Mm-hmm. And so I could see him from about mid body upward and they're just all these branches in front of him. And so it never quite worked out. And he got into one hole and he was quartering towards me, uh, and I definitely could have shot him and definitely, I think 90-something odd, percent odds it would have killed him. But in my brain, I'm like, it's not 100% odds. And it would have been in front of the shoulder shot, which right. is not a really commonly heard one. Um, but his shoulder was back. I could see the six-inch hole there. I can put an arrow in that all day and 550 grains move in really fast That with a cut-on-contact broadhead that's going to go through there. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I just wasn't, I'd never taken that shot. I hadn't really studied for it, to be honest. And, um, that in common with day one, I'm like, I just am not taking that. And I also thought I'd get a good angle on him when he came around the bushes. Um, and at the end of like seven minutes, I got to full draw once, put it down. Very fortunately, you'd be able to put that back down at 30 yards without alerting him. Oh man. And then, uh, he walked around the right side of the bushes and right as he walked around the right side, he just boom, pegged me. And I didn't move, I didn't do anything. It was a little swirl in the wind, um, and he just stared at me for maybe forty five seconds and he never really figured me out, but he just didn't feel right. You could tell you know he mm-hmm. kind of was getting that like I'm about the bolt language, so uh then he started trotting away, and I jumped and ran over this tree, which definitely spooked him a little bit, but he still kind of wasn't didn't know what was up, uh, and he was trotting off and stopped at a gap at like fifty five yards and was quartering away and He just seemed too twitchy. I didn't want to take that shot. Uh, He just never really stopped well enough for me to say, this is going to be a good shot at that distance. And that was it. It's gone and out of my life. (laughs) So so really intense, super intense first day to be that close to a a bull for that long. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really, really cool um, experience. And then, I mean, I I feel like we got to do all this stuff justice. And that's why we're going to break it up into two or three podcasts because the sheer amount of encounters. Uh, but I think, I think for me learning from that one was I, I really should have researched that shot. I think any, any shot that's a killable shot that's within your power envelope, it's like, you got to know. Um, right. and I think in the future I could easily take that one and I easily could have taken it. Then I just, I don't know. I think I always want to set a bar that's pretty high for myself so I can look in the mirror and, uh, he just didn't quite get above it. So, right, right, right.
1: Part of the game. Man, that's intense. Yeah,
0: really crazy. And even have the time to take a photo of him and a video of him from right there.
1: <laughs>
0: and I, you know, at that point in time, too, I thought I was going to be videoing and trying to put together a video of this. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we talked a little bit about this the last day. And I think I just had a moment where I'm like, I didn't get into this to be a personality or somebody that's up in video. And like, I feel like that cheapens my hunting in a way. Mm-hmm. And I love talking about it, I love writing about it and reviewing the gear most of all. But uh, I just don't. I don't want to ruin that moment and that experience and enjoying it and like truly taking it in.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: So if I can ever find a situation, like when you were there with me and you were filming, that was amazing. Cause I wasn't really thinking about what other people would think or other right. stuff going on. I was just doing what it was, but uh, I kind of came to, came to the realization. I'm not going to do this. It's, it's making me hunt differently. It's making me think differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a cool moment from that perspective too, after that, that encounter. Yeah.
1: Dang, that's intense! All on day one.
0: Yeah, well, day one's not over yet. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I'll just make this quick because the cow encounters will make will make pretty quick. But um, I did a so I set up camp right where I was. It, it was perfect spot. I was kind of back around from that meadow in an area that even if the wind was blowing, I think I would have been good. And uh, I was setting up camp, and right where he was, I couldn't see it at the time, but there was like a. A little elk trail that kind of came through there. And as I'm setting up camp, and this is a, again, a testament to just stay quiet, stay low profile in this area. I hear mm-hmm. this crack, crack, pop, pop of rocks. Um, and uh, I'm like, oh, that's it, like the, like last year when I shot that bull that way, I'm like, that just doesn't sound right. My brain told me elk when I heard that. Yeah. And I like walked back to the edge and looked over and, cow walked over at 40 yards right where he'd been <laughs> Oh my <goodness. laughs> and stopped there. I knocked the arrow, had it. I drew, I won't, if I draw on something, I'm not going to shoot. I still don't point it, but I kind of put it to her right. And I was like, you're dead. <laughs> wow. And just let, lowered it down again. And was like, and, and she actually played ball. Like I sat there for a minute and kind of she turned to go away once and I called at her and she turned and looked back at me mm-hmm. and you kind of just sat there and then eventually wandered off. Um, Dang. So I'm just sitting there like in the afterglow, of, like, this is crazy. You know, I've had three whole kind of shots a day and like this top of the world kind of feeling, you know?
1: Oh yeah. That's, that's nuts. That was nuts. So I don't, that was, uh,
0: quite a night, like thinking, thinking through all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. So after
1: that day, yeah. How did you feel that, that night?
0: Yeah. I'm like day one, this is, this is done. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I probably was feeling a little cocky too. You know, I was like, right. Hey, this is, yeah. Uh, wow, if it goes like this, this is going to be the season of a lifetime. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was kind of questioning myself, hey, am I going to really shoot, actually hold out for an even bigger bowl, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had those probably not healthy thoughts spinning around in there. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets better the next day too. But yeah, it was just kind of a crazy feeling. I think to I just felt lucky. I remember that. I just distinctly remember thinking how lucky am I to be out here, to be here, to have those encounters. Like that made my entire month to have Margaret and Luke down at camp. Like it just, yeah, I just remember sitting there that night and being like, this is amazing and probably passing awesome. out and sleeping 12 hours. So <laughs> so exhausted, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, not really 12 hours. First night's always a little rough, but I think on and off for 12 hours.
1: Dang. So that's day one.
0: That's day one. Um, yeah. I don't cut me off. I'm going too long in these, but I feel like it's just every second of these is so, so valuable on uh, these encounters. But uh, so day two, you know, I'm down in that little meadow below kind of that, well, probably 700 feet below that, that far right basin I love to go to. Yeah. And, uh, I know, you know, back to some of our conversations about scouting and locating elk, there's some areas that I think unless an elk ever gets bumped by someone, they're there all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is my ace in the hole. this place every year, no matter what, up until this year, and we'll get to that later. Every time I go there, there are always elk there. Yep. Bar none always elk there. And so I'm fired up, right? I'm like, they're here. There's elk around. I'm going to my Holy grail spot. And there's always a big elk here too. Big Mm -hmm. one. Cause he's usually got a few, you know, five to 20, 30 cows with him. And so get up really early that morning. I, uh, look around that little meadow area, nothing, some fresh sign, but nothing. I kind of use my favorite tactic, go up the Creek again, get all the way up into that meadow. And I kind of, so the way this meadow works, or sorry, this, uh, this valley works, is that the top of it is alpine. And what the elk tend to do in this area, again, I know this spot pretty darn well, right? Um, they tend to, in the morning, go up to the alpine and feed on the grass. And then they feed along this one side of the valley. The other side's all rock. One side of the valley that's kind of got a mix of like open meadows and trees. And they feed back along it to this point at the, at the base of the valley. And they kind of bed up on that point. And so I'm thinking, hey, they're going to be up at the top of this valley and I'm in the bottom of the creek trying to keep my scent down low and I'm walking along and I, uh, I look up to the right, kind of halfway up the valley and they're all right there. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh wow. man, the elk are here, it's go time. And I've got to move quicker than I thought because I, I usually try to cut them off as they're coming along the side of the, of this valley. And this is where, for context, this is where Margaret had almost you know, shot hers at 20 yards Mm-hmm. Um I'd almost shot another one she she almost shot another at 45 yards. We've had a lot of really close encounters here. Um so I look up and I look up in that meta, I pull out the binoculars, and the bull that's sitting there is big. I mean, he's a big six. Oh my god. Real big six. And so I, you know, I start getting twitchy, right? <laughs> um and at this point, too, this this gets really interesting because uh this is August 31st. Um, and I look up and I see a pretty dark cloud coming over the back of the uh, the ridge there. And I, I, the forecast for this day was rain, but I know up in this area, if it says rain and that temperature down in the town that forecast is for, that often means snow. Right. Um, but I kind of don't believe that August 31st, this is going to happen. But so anyway, I kind of have this interesting dilemma because I got to run up the side of this uh, valley here, but it's getting really cold. So I, I strip down to my top layer um, and then from then on a tough time, like it is brutal. Cause I need to cut him off and I need to go up like 400 vertical feet really quick. Um, and I fortunately know all the little elk tracks and all this stuff in here. So I know to go up, uh, this stuff and it's so steep. I can barely walk unsupported. Like it's the kind of thing where you stick out your elbow when you're standing up straight and you're hitting it. Crazy. Um, and so I get, uh, to keep this, keep our podcast on track here. I get up to where I think he's going to be and cut him off. And I am just blowing air. You know, I'm very out of shape at this point and uh, give myself a minute. And the only window I can find is between two little V, bee, V like trees. I've got like a foot and a half between that. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, right when I get there, a cow walks right into the area at about 40 yards. Um, and she just uh, stops and kind of looks at me, doesn't really pick me up and keeps walking. And so mm-hmm. then two or three others walk through it. And I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the moment and sure enough out trots mr big and pretty much the second i think it was right before that he trots out it's like whiteout snowstorm <laughs> wow like boom here come the snowflakes freaking nice i'm like august 31st this is awesome i'm in it you know in my base layer getting whiteout snowstorm in this this <sighs> bull is here so so he runs out there's one bush right in that little area he runs out to 62 and a half yards stops perfectly with that bush over his vitals. <laughs> wow!
1: Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, oh, come on. And
0: it's a really steep uphill shot. So this is not an easy 62 yards and it's blowing and there's whiteout snow. Um, I, mean, I guess it doesn't qualify as whiteout if I can see him at 60, but it's trust me, it's thick. And then, uh, so he's got two ribs sticking past that bush and I'm like, well, I could easily put, I mean, I know the lungs go past the ribs. I'm like, I could easily put one in there. But I think it was like the bull the day before. And this is the biggest bull I would have ever shot by far. Yeah. I mean, this thing's huge. Uh, not a giant, but a big six. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just had that kind of moment again where I'm like, you know, you don't, you're way up here alone. There's a snowstorm and you're going to take a marginal shot on a bull at 62 yards. And I was just like, this is not, this is not how you're going to do elk hunting.
1: Um, and on day two, also. On right? day
0: two, right? And I'm like, this is just not like, I'm not going to push. I think you heard the stories of the guy the year before that shot two elk and didn't recover either. Yeah. Bled the horns off of one. And it just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, because I know he took shots that just weren't uh yeah, he took risky shots. And I'm like, I don't, I just don't want to do that with this one. Um yeah. and so it took it, it was a pretty difficult mental battle to have a bull that big sitting at sixty two. <laughs> yeah. Which I can I mean, as you know, I can definitely put arrows in a fist sized thing at that distance. Mm-hmm. Um but just kind of fought that battle and was like, nope, not going to happen. And so I'm like, well, he's going to take a few steps forward anyway. Right. Like it's all good. Right. Like don't have to take the moral high road here. It'll be easy. And then sure enough, right. As I'm thinking that this, the kind of the snowstorm swirls the wind a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it goes right to him. He definitely gets a whiff and kind of jumps a little bit and he runs forward and turns around and runs back (laughs) facing the opposite way and stops with the bush in front of his vitals again. (laughs) Insane. And I'm just like, oh come <laughs> on! So I'm at full draw at this point, holding it. Um, and he trotted out of that bush really quick. And at 60 yards, if they're trotting, I'm not taking a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of just trotted up and ran, kind of trotted away. And uh, I like tried to run around. I got them trotting at 80, not taking that shot either. And that was kind of it. They trotted it over the ridge. And uh, I mean, like I said, this is one of my ace in the whole spots. I don't want to go up there and truly blow them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, something was up and they felt weird, but they didn't spook. They kind of were just like, we're, we're leaving a different way than we were planning. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we're leaving them. Um, that's all good. And so, yeah. and at this point too, the snowstorm is really intensifying. I mean, it's getting big and I'm exposed. I'm almost 10,000 feet and almost tree line and it's ripping. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is full white out now. I can't see more than 20 feet, 20 yards. I mean, it's, it's really intense. Damn. There's some really cool footage of it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm backing out. I'm done. Got to get back to camp because uh, I don't carry rain gear. We talked about that, but, uh, even with that, it's no big deal. It's just melting off as fast as it comes down. And, uh, so I'm kind of piling out of there, bust out, drop all 500 feet again, another mile, get back to camp and jump in camp. And the the snowstorm just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Wow. And, uh, you know, I look at the, I pulled the weather forecast off the inReach, which to me is like the main reason. Like one of the two reasons you have an in-reach that having the ability to get a forecast like that Mm -hmm. on demand is that's a game changer. Yeah, that is like, no matter how bad that thing is, they're the only people that can do that right now. And yeah, so that was a big moment for me to go, okay, cool. Like this is going to be here for the rest of the day into the night. Why would I sit here and deal with this crazy weather? I'm getting out of here. So I pack it all up really quickly. I go down, uh, drop down and go see mama and baby. Drop yeah. back down into the little tiny R V and wait out all the rain with them and kinda get to have that special
1: moment hanging out with, you know, Luke and Margaret. Yeah, and I think that's when I got the text from you and I was like, Oh, how did the first few days go? And you're like, dude, I almost killed like four <laughs> Elk, know. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah like and bad. I was like, What? And I think I was in Nebraska at that point. So I was like, Oh my goodness, what I happened? cannot wait to be back. <laughs> you're like, What did I miss out on? It's like everybody's killing out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I mean, honestly, I have to look at my notes, but
0: I can't remember if one of the other cows I could have killed was that day or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, it was a pretty, pretty crazy start. So it was, I think, coming out of that, I was feeling cloud nine. You know, things are great, and I'd run pretty hard. It'd been like a pretty rough day of like two days of pushing really hard, high, and far to get mm-hmm. to those spots. But I was like, "Oh, this is great." So I'm just gonna sleep, you know, sleep it off, and go out again. And so. Day three, I think was probably not probably was without a doubt the lowest point of the trip uh, for me. Dang. So I, you know, I'd come out, I'd resupply it. and before I keep going, Josh, I'm just talking and talking. Is there any,
1: any other questions you had about that or anything? You no, were- no, I think this is this is good because people will get to, you know, someone like me going into an elk hunt, I had no idea it was hard for me to picture it, but getting to see step by step, how it all goes down, the ups and downs is really good. So yeah, just, just yeah.
0: Just... And I've, I've really changed my philosophy too. We can talk more about this in the lessons episode, but I'll hit it pretty quick now on backpacking. I already had said, Hey, you know, when you asked me how long do I stick around before I leave? And I'm like, you know, okay. you're in for one evening, one morning, you're out of there. I mm-hmm. um, don't see anything. Don't see anything. But even though I'd say that to people, I still would say, Oh, well, I go into areas for two, maybe three nights, but after this year, I'm like, I can clear the five miles I would ever want to carry an elk out without a packer
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: in like two hours, three hours, four hours, maybe if it's horrific terrain, um, truly horrific, two or 3,000 feet. Uh, so I've kind of come back to this world of like, I don't really want to go for more than one to two nights backpacking mm-hmm. uh, because I can get out of there during the middle of the day and transfer somewhere else. Um, and so that's kind of how I hunted this year. And it was phenomenal. I think it was really the, like it's something I'm going to be doing every other year. Um, and it all happened because of the baby. Like that was really the reason I wanted to go down and spend time with him and Margaret. But uh, I kind of stumbled upon a different strategy than I've been doing.
1: And I don't think it's going to change. It's pretty interesting how a constraint can do that. Like a, a, I think in the art world or whatever, they call it a creative constraint where mm-hmm. like, for example, with photography, I put on like a fixed lens where I can't zoom in or out, but yep. it forces you to just stay in that distance away from subjects. And mm-hmm. through that constraint, you discover more creative ways to, to do something pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. And I think when you go, <laughs> when you bring a baby, Hey, two month old baby and a first time mother into a place totally unsupported in an RV, like you're going to make some compromises.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like we all knew that was it. When I tell guys this, they're all like, you're crazy. But I know, I know Margaret, I know how amazing she is and know she would rather be there doing that than four seasons alone, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, so that was it. And it really, it was one of those amazing things I thought was going to be a horrific limitation and it was unbelievably amazing. So, uh, but anyway, back to Wednesday, um, without a doubt the worst day, because what happened is I ended up changing out everything, getting a good night's sleep in the back of the truck. I have a mattress in there. She slept in the RV uh, getting up real early and hiking in and I'm going to go way up high as high as I was the day before and go left this time instead of right. And this is again, a spot that's just, I mean, you, you went there with me, we call it the diving board, uh, way up high. And it's a spot that again, almost always produces for me. I can see the entire valley and it's really a good way for me to take a census of all the different elk that are in the area. And, uh, oh, man, I don't like it's a uh, borderline emotional moment, but I was hiking. So normally you hike up and around, you kind of do this double back on yourself. And that was what we did. You went up and then you kind of did this giant switch back around a Creek and then it's still pretty steep through there. Mm-hmm. But I ended up trying to cut that switch back and go up this, you know, 45, 50 degree slope area that I've always seen elk in, but no one ever wants to go there. Mm-hmm. And I think I wasn't being really realistic with my, uh, my training and where I was physically as well as mentally just beat down after two or three months of that intense stuff. And I, uh, I mean, long story short, I basically was halfway up that, uh, up that climb and pretty much whited out, almost passed out, um, and almost puked and started shaking and really had a pretty bad episode, um, on the side of that
1: mountain. Uh, and it was, that was pretty rough. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Um, how long did that last for? Oh man. Uh,
0: like three or four hours. It was like a, uh, uh, yeah, I think the thing that was really weird about it is I was, uh, you had to realize that I don't think I can get myself out of here. Right. 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 Yeah. And so it was a very, uh, I mean, I think you, anytime you have something like that, happen, it shakes your confidence pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty brutal moment. That was, uh, that was not fun. And it was so cold that morning after that storm, the snowstorm that, uh, I was kind of in this bad catch 22 of I'm sweating like crazy going up, but it's so cold that you kind of get that, you know, that cold sweat feeling mm-hmm. like it felt like that. And so, you know, when I passed out and started to, I don't think I ever fully blacked out, but I can't really remember. Um, I just threw myself over a tree because I knew I would roll downhill. Um, mm-hmm. which probably be, you know, that could have been, uh, that could have been it. But, uh, cause it was, I mean, it was very steep and, um, so I had this really tough moment of like, I got to, I have to move. And so I had a period of time where I thought I was going to just leave everything I owned, the backpack and all the stuff, and just try to walk back down the way I came or mm-hmm. kind of scoot down that way. Cause then I could get out of there. But, um, I think I got scared that I wouldn't even be able to make it back to the truck that way. And then I'd have nothing to support myself. Um, right. and so I think I had to, uh, and I'm like shaking, even with all my clothes on. I'm, you know, I'm just not in a good state. It's like when you've had the stomach flu and you just can't move or something. Um, mm-hmm. My body just quit out on me, and because uh, I was just pushing way too hard, just full stop. And uh, so I just said, hey, you know what? I have to get, I have to go up because I have to get up to this area that's flatter, and then uh, then I have an easier route out if I need it. And so I think that was one of the worst hour and a halfs I've had in a long time. Um, Dang getting out of that spot like one step in front of the other and just feeling horrible the entire time.
1: Yeah. Cause you still had to keep going up. It's not yeah. like you could just, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was not, ugh, not pleasant, man. Just thinking about this makes me like feel gross. Um, but you know, I got up to the top and I got up to that, the mega wallow, which is, you saw that I mean mm-hmm. it's wallow that's probably, and it's not like it's flat and that's why it's huge. It's, it's down a hill. It's just so many all it And it's so giant. It's yeah what, 10 yards across and 30 yards long. Is that fair? Yeah, it was pretty big. Yeah, pretty monstrous. And so I got up to that area and it's kind of flat there. And you know, the sun's on that area. And so I spent the next, I think, four hours. You know, At this point, I texted my wife and said, hey, I'm really not doing well. I didn't want to scare her though. Um, and I just said, hey, I've, I've got the, the E-perb. If I need to pull the trigger, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'm now somewhere I'm warm. And I just kind of got warm and read a book. And that was kind of how I mentally managed for the next like four or five hours. Yeah. Um, just trying to stay cause I, I kind of had this battle of, do I try to hike out or do I just stay up here and try to rest it off? And I, mm-hmm. I think the entire day, it's one of those horrible feelings. You're you're so, you feel so horrible that you want to just like pull eject. But, um, I finally got to the point where I like, I think I just better for me to sit here and, you know, pass out. So yeah. got up there in yeah, that night and that morning, I still managed to glass cause I'm already up high. So why not? But, uh, you guys saw a bunch of elk in different areas across the Valley and I'm like, cool. They're all here. But I definitely had this moment of, I'm just trying to survive. Like I'm definitely not hunting anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I won't, I won't belabor all the little stuff. I mean, I think just good thing for guys to know that like it's, elk hunting is intense. I've been doing it for a long time and I've, you know, like I said, done the Ironman. I've done some pretty intense fitness stuff and it's very easy to push yourself way too hard. Yeah. Um, I think just self-knowledge is key when it comes to that level of fitness.
1: Right. Because your mind wanted to keep going and keep pushing and pushing. But I guess at one point, like you said, your body just kind of said, Hey, hey, man, (laughs) you're done down here. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You are done. Yeah. And I don't, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff I figured out later that cold sore and all this other stuff that I think my body was already fighting, but it, you know, it's just what happens after three months of no sleep and crazy stressful life decisions.
1: Um, Yeah. Three months of the most stressful time in your life. And then not enough physical training because of that stuff, and then pushing super hard right away in elk yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it was also very deceptive for me because I've been there for a few years, and I know uh, what I can do. And so for me, right. it's something that I know is normally within the realm mm-hmm. of the possibility. And so it was really tough to learn the lesson that nope, not right now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was really, really tough. Um, and that so I just sta- stayed there that night. I camped actually in the same spot. We got hit by that giant snowstorm a few years ago, carved that same little ledge back out, um, did all that stuff. And then the next morning, hiking out, looked across the valley, and there's this one trail that elk never really use unless they're transferring between two kind of 50 square mile areas over this saddle. Mm -hmm. I looked up and a cow was walking down that. (laughs) From my knowledge of this area, I'm like, she's going to be right at this wallow in 45 minutes. Uh, And so I took my time packing up the tent, Got it all set up at about 30, walked over to the wallow. And right as I walked up, she walked up to the wallow right next to me. (laughs) No way. And you know, I'm like, I'm not hunting and it's a cow at this point. But standing there 30, 40 yards, I forget. It's really close. Mm -hmm. Just looking at me.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I think maybe that's after that when you texted me. Because I remember, I think you're saying you could have killed like five elk. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's the fifth one.
0: Fifth one. Yeah. I wasn't really (laughs) broadcasting that event yet. um, And I just didn't really knows. But at that point, I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I drop back down. I go back out to the, the camper. And I, I think that night I took the entire night and morning off. I just said, you need to just fully rest. Yeah. Heal and be done. Um, and I think that that period right there is kind of like a dark period in my mind. That sounds makes it sound bad. Like a, like a blank period in my mind, because pretty much after I'd rested up, it was Wednesday. And after that storm left, I think a lot of guys in the West experienced this. It was the smoke moved in.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Got hot, like really hot. Uh, so I think I did one or two really close kind of day hunts and went back up to that area. Um, oh, yeah. And I think I jumped. Yeah. So it was two days later. And so this is what Thursday, Friday now. We're going to kind of skim through the back half of this week because it really wasn't that much. So for a day or two, I rest up, take time off. I'm like, hey, I've got two or three weeks here. Our plan was to be there for two weeks. I'm like, okay, I've got two weeks. Don't kill yourself, enjoy the baby. Um, rested up. And the next day I went back up to the middle where I'd seen that five point the first day. And uh, this was actually a big error on my part. Um, I went up to that and I just didn't trust myself. I looked down again. I'm like, that's a super fresh sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, there's just no way like he's in this area. And uh it's be a very weird area for an elk to be. And I walked in 30, 40 more yards uh, and kind of heard that snap noise. And sure enough, looked up and i Big six was right there again. Wow. And he ran up the side of the hill and I never quite got an angle on him. I kind of tried to run around in there. Um, And I could have shot at 90, but he was moving. And I'm like, nah, no way. Well, he's definitely past my range that I'm going to shoot anyway. But I think I had one at like 75 before he hit that. I can't remember. It was like right at the edge of my range. Mm -hmm. And um, he was still kind of moving along. And uh, that was kind of it. I think there might have been one other cow encounter. Can't really remember, but That was kind of it you know after that i did a few more trips went up and down looked all around and they just got sparse it was so hot Um, it's full moon which again i don't we talked about this like you can hunt full moon just as well as no moon it's just how you hunt it but uh, the thing about full moon is they're usually in bed very early and they get out of bed kind of last five minutes of light in the evening Mm -hmm. and i think they were so it was so stinking hot that they weren't even moving in the middle of the day, which is what I love the full moon for. If it's full moon, usually you see them move around a lot between like, you know, 12 and 2 because mm-hmm. uh, they've been bedded so long, they need to go get water. But uh, so I couldn't even hunt full moon the way that I normally do. Um, so it just was a, really that Wednesday to about when you got there, which I think was what, Sunday?
1: Yeah, I got back on Sunday, Monday, something like Sunday. that. Sunday. Yep. Saturday night, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a write off. It was all, it was super hot, right? I heard it was so like too hot to hunt, uh, because the yeah. meat would have spoiled.
0: Yeah, and it was really that frustrating that for me because I ended up doing another trip up to the right, back kind of my to one of my great spots, and mm-hmm. I got up there and I, I pulled out actually. I went out that night, and that was the, I think that was the same night I saw that that one that I almost shot the six point, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, it's too hot to ethically hunt. Like I can't go up there and shoot a bull because I won't be able to get it out of here in time before the meat goes bad. Yeah. Uh, So I literally turned around and went down and it was very annoying because this other guy came in that, um, we call him calf killer because of some obvious events and he's, he's done some pretty horrible things to the people in that area. So he has a pretty bad rep, but he walked right up to where I turned around and ended up shooting a five point raghorn. And, uh, we think he lost about half the meat, but, um, yeah, we don't know, but because how hot fr-
1: was it? Like 90,
0: Oh, it was like 85, 90. Yeah. Yeah. yeah up yeah. there at almost 10,000 feet is crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's a really frustrating period of time. Cause it's like, Hey, I played it, played it right. And this guy didn't play it right and went up there and did exactly what I didn't want to do mm-hmm. uh, and scared all the elk out. So real bummer. But, um, but yeah, that kind of does it for the first week for me. So it was a really, really crazy, you know, two days and then a uh, really bad one day. And then, one or two more encounters the, the back half of the week. Yeah. Uh, but so crazy, crazy first week just to have that much action. I thought for sure, Hey, once it gets cold again and stuff gets good, then we're in business, but, uh, yeah, but man, talk about highs and lows of elk yeah. hunting. <laughs> yeah. Huge highs and lows. I mean, it was, yeah. and that's a low I've never really played with before. It was a very unusual right. moment. So, um, um, but I don't know. I think it was, it kind of happened at a good time. And I, I don't, I don't really regret it looking back because I think I learned a lot about myself and uh, mm-hmm. limits, which is the first time I've ever had physical stuff just clamp me like that. Yeah. Uh, and like it was really cool because it ended up forcing me to spend more time with, with baby Luke and uh, and Margaret, which is awesome. Because uh, it's really hard when you're up there. You're kind of torn. You want to go hunting. You want to be with them. Um, and we had a really, really cool camaraderie going at camp. Uh, and had his wife come up because she knew Margaret was there. One of his friends was there. One or two of these other guys that had been there for the year before were there. And everybody's, you know, well-behaved and friendly and tells each other where they're hunting. And it was just an awesome, basically no one hunted for two or three days because it was Mm -hmm. so bad. So we all just kind of hung out and we had a really fun time in camp, like cooking great meals and
1: look at the stars when there wasn't smoke and yada, yada. So. Yeah. Yeah. When I came by and hunted with you for that week and just hung out with everybody, it was so cool to see how everybody tackles this. I mean, it's a piece of public land. You don't really have to talk to other hunters. You don't have to strategize and all that. You can be selfish if you want, but it was cool to see everybody come together at the end of the night and be like, Hey, how was your day? You know, I saw this, I saw that. Hey, I'm going back. All right. I'm going here. I'll stay out of your area. It was just cool to see uh, each other out like that.
0: Well, I think that's the thing is it doesn't need to be a rule or regulation or a way to do it. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just trust. And, uh, trust and common sense. Um, and I think I have a you know good story to that common sense bit. This made me want to mm-hmm. disavow my home state, which I basically have done. I've left, but the first day there's, you know, this little mini trailhead kind of thing. It's not a trailhead because it's not official. It's just the end of a dirt road. But I mean, you've been there. The most area you could fit in there is like five trucks at max. Mm-hmm. And we had an RV, a pop-up mm-hmm. <laughs> Three tents and five trucks like jammed in this little thing, right? Yeah. And these are all the people that hunt here. And like that's more than enough people to get that valley completely full. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was this opening day. A guy came ripping down with a California license plate. And the new truck pulls the truck right between all the cars, goes right to the fence at the brunt of it, which we had unblocked so we can all walk through it. Starts pulling out a game carrier, like one of those things you wheel a deer carcass in. (laughs) Wow. And we're like, what are you doing? Um, And he's like, oh, I'm hunting here. (laughs) And we're like, okay, cool. So hold up. We're here. We set up camp. We're ready to go. Yeah, we don't own this. This isn't public land. But you're going to come jump in on top of us. He's like, yeah, what are you? I'm like, what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, I'm going in two miles and there's a plateau back there. My buddy told me about it and I'm setting up camp. And we're like, that's literally right in the middle of all the elk. Like that's the worst possible idea and you're going to ruin it for everybody. Um, he's like, no, no, no I'm going to go do it. And it just was it was like this horrific thing because everybody had been there for two days and intentionally not hiked in mm-hmm. and kind of tried to keep it pristine. And you have this guy from California the first year there isn't from the state and goes and steps on the toes of like three or four guys that have been hunting this place for 20 years.
1: I know, man.
0: Um, and so D had a real frank conversation with him. <laughs> <laughs> Something to the effect of like, you, you know, if you want a hole in your tent. No, he didn't, he didn't say anything like that. He didn't threaten him or do anything. He says public land, you can do what you want, but like, listen, we don't hunt there because you're going to blow the elk out. We don't camp there because you'll blow them out. And uh, it became readily apparent. The guy was completely lying he didn't know anything Whoa. about the terrain. His buddy didn't tell him about this. Cause he were like, well, where are you going to go? He's like, Oh, on the plateau to the right. And we're like, there's no plateau on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'm not going to go into the details. It's is going to get me pissed. But for the guys that are listening to this, that are doing it the first time, and I had this conversation with you, so I'm just kind of having it again for the internet's sake or whatever, but like, there's etiquette with elk hunting, right? Like mm-hmm. if someone's in a spot and they're there first, don't like ask them questions. You know, if you're going to hunt it anyway, ask, well, where are you not going to be? Right? Like just mm-hmm. be friendly to them. Um, and that's, that's how it goes well. Cause otherwise what happens, is you call each other in, you hunt areas you're both in, you scare elk out of the areas the other guy hunts. It's just counterproductive. Yeah. And, uh, that really rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, the guy ended up leaving, turning around and leaving cause it was really obvious that he was going to pull a really bad move and have five guys hunting on top of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's my little rant. <laughs> you don't do it. but it's just yeah. like, that's how not, that's how out of staters get a bad rap. And that's why I think a lot of these States are like Idaho this year is going to be uh, capping the amount of non-residents in an area is because residents don't complain about non-residents unless they do stuff like that. Yeah. When you, you don't know that. an area, you don't do it and you show no respect to the guys there and you go screw with them. Right. Um, so anyway, that was, that was rough, but the upside of it, like you said, was that, we have this really cool camaraderie at camp and everybody's literally telling everybody where they are, what they saw and what they're doing. And you know, people, we all are avoiding each other. We're not hunting the areas they're in, but mm-hmm. it just kind of was a really cool dynamic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of trust there. Yeah. Um So that was the, your first week. And then at that point, I think I flew back from Nebraska, uh, ended the mule deer hunt. We'll do a separate episode on that. Uh, and then I went in for my first one. Do you think we should end part one of episode of the podcast here and start to record a separate one or should we just keep
0: rolling with it yeah i think that's fair maybe we cut it here and then uh then we just go on to part two because so we've been going for a while but uh <laughs> i mean long story short like week really cool week or first week for both of us right you got to see some elk i got close to getting one and uh this point or two or three or four or, or two five. or three whatever the heck <laughs> it was but uh yeah we uh We have some other cool stuff. So maybe we just keep rolling and we'll cut it into another episode.
1: Yeah. Cause my, my first hunting trip in was pretty epic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was pretty insane, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start off there for part two.